Colossians, where we are in verses 11 through 20 this morning. Again, this is a very unique chapter in many ways. Last week, we looked at uh, the last small Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, began in Acts chapter 2, and we've seen how in four different places, Acts 2, 8, 10, and 19, when the apostles were involved, how the Holy Spirit was poured out, which was evidenced with uh, signs and wonders. And uh, this that we saw last week was 20 years after the first Pentecost. So last week, though, we looked at Paul dealing with those followers of John the Baptist who did not understand the gospel uh, in its fullness, and uh, they came to know Christ. And uh, I think God is telling us in all of this that God's people are everywhere. And there is no respecter of persons, whether you're black, uh, red, yellow, uh, whomever you may be, uh, you're not beyond Christ saving, and you're an outcast. But uh, he shows his mercy today in a special way, and we see the compassion of Christ above all else. And uh, we will look further at uh, the... uh, what happened at Ephesus and uh, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. But what we will read about this morning, I believe, was a special time in the life of the church. I don't think what we see happening as we read it goes on today. Now, does that mean that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and grow in the grace and knowledge of God? Yes, you can. And uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we don't have apostles anymore. I'm certainly not an apostle. uh, But uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But let's read together uh, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. And uh, just see how unordinary this is as we read it. God was performing... Extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that handkerchiefs or aprons, and this is extraordinary, were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish uh, exorcists who went from place to place a, a attempted to name over those who, led, uh, <clears throat> those who led the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit, notice, answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus. They knew who he was. The great I am, of course. And I know about Paul. But who are you? (laughs) And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear 
fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And uh, many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Wow. A lot here. Well, interesting happenings. Do I believe they actually happen? I absolutely do. Are they going on today? In some ways, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. But uh, in some ways, I think this was for that day and time. And I'll explain that as we go on. A little bit about the, the uh, city of Ephesus itself. I talked about this last week. But it was the uh, capital of the Roman province of Asia on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. Seven churches were planted there, as we saw uh, from the school of Tyrannus, where Paul was able to teach probably daily rather than just on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And uh, we find that seven churches were, were birthed out of this time. And matter of fact, those seven churches are mentioned in the book of Revelation in the very front, first of that, and I taught through that uh, uh, many years ago. But this uh, was, city was founded in the 12th century B.C. by the Ionians from Athens. Isn't that important? I mean, that's no extra charge for that. You know, that's, that's a free. So, <laughs> but I just, you know, what, what can you say? But it was known as the Treasure House of Asia, or another name, the Vanity Fair of Asia. Isn't that interesting? Uh, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. It was a port city like Mobile. It was uh, home to the Temple of Diana, the goddess of uh, futility, uh, of fertility. And of course, have you ever seen her picture? It was a goddess of many breasts. Not a very good-looking woman, I must admit, if you see that. But uh, but nonetheless, it was the emphasis was on sex, and what was going on in this city was perversion uh, to the max, if you will. Uh, even the pillars in building these this this great uh, Ephesus, uh, the kings from around the world even gave money to the building of this temple. So you can imagine how. Magnificent! It was one of the wonders of the world, as I mentioned last week. And uh, we find here, though, in this city, that uh, it was what we would call today a tourist trap, <laughs> in a bad way. But uh, there were bracelets, statues you could buy, gift shops. It was known for its magic arts, uh, the occult, charms, spells, incantations. Uh, they had books and cards with spells on them, and these are the things that were burned, uh, as we saw in our reading this morning. But this was a very superstitious city, very superstitious, and you know what? They were serious about it. 
this wasn't just a game they played. This is something they really believed in. And there were witches and perverts of all descriptions. So, you know, wickedness is not <laughs> only today, but we find it, do we not, in the history of, uh, of this world. But I want to see, for us to see one thing, and I really could have entitled this, and maybe I should have, uh, is all about power. Power. And uh, uh, in verse 11, we notice that it talks about miracles here. This portion of Scripture begins with power. And why do I say that? Because the Greek word here is dunamis, for dynamite. Actually, it would have been better translated uh, uh, powers. Uh, powers comes first in the Greek. In other words, this section starts out with power. And, uh, and you did that in the Greek for emphasis, to show where the emphasis was by putting it first in a sentence. And there are other languages that do that today. But anyway, literally, you could read this, powers not usual God was doing through the hands of Paul. See, so this was an extraordinary uh, uh, work that was going on here. And then it ends in verse 20 with prevailed, prevailed, the word of the Lord prevailed mightily. This is a synonym also for the word power. And so we see first of all in verses 11 and 12 unusual or extraordinary power, exceptional miracles God was doing through Paul. These were not your Miracles done in an ordinary way. They were miracles. Miracles that had taken place in other places. But noticed here the handkerchiefs. Did you see that? In the aprons. Well, in the, in, really this is better translated, not aprons, uh, not handkerchiefs, but sweatband. In other words, as Paul worked, he had sweatbands. So... It wouldn't get in the way of, of his tent making. And he also wore a tool belt as such. And so what this was, was what Paul was wearing. They would send that off to the person who needed to be healed. And by their touching of that, they would be healed. Now that's amazing. That is amazing. And uh, so... For one thing, it was free. Paul didn't collect for this. And, uh, but it was God's means to uh, an end. And uh, this was similar to the woman who, was, who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, remember, and was healed. Remember that story. Well, you know, the difference was Jesus was there. See, Paul wasn't there. Jesus said, you'll do greater miracles than I did. So this may be a fulfilled, partial fulfillment of that. Uh, uh, so really interesting things uh, going on. And uh, also remember Peter, when pe people would, the shadow of Peter would fall on someone, they'd be healed. But you know what? Peter was there. And so this was extraordinary. Uh, as we see, uh, Paul was not present. And uh, so, why did Jesus 
do these great miracles in this city uh, of so many con artists and uh, charlatans, magicians, sorcerers, etc. Why did he do that? I think to show who had the real authority. And uh, my clicker. Yeah, here it is. Okay, is it is it on? Maybe not. Maybe check on that. Oh, there it is. Yes, it is. Thank you. Exodus 7, 6 through 13. Remember when, uh, uh, before the plagues and all of this started and, and God's judgment on Egypt and so forth, uh, it says in, in Exodus 7, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian uh, magicians, just like there were in, in, in Ephesus, also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. In other words, his snake fed on their snakes. But Pharaoh's heart became hard and so forth. And so we see here, do we not, who was in control? Who was in authority? Now, these were magicians. They didn't create snakes. It was a trick. And you've seen magicians yourselves. And when these magicians form, you go, how in the world? God, how did he do that? And that's what was going on. But to show that God was God, Aaron and Moses' snake ate up theirs. And I bet his staff was bigger, too, after that uh, uh, but So this is really a competition to show who is in control, who has authority. The real Jesus does. The real Jesus does. And, and I think this is, is showing also the authority that apostles had. In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, I perceive, uh, persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of, of a true apostle, Paul says, including signs, wonders, and miracles. Interesting. Signs of an apostle. And so, also, he says in Romans 15, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Jesus has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. And uh, so anyway, God was working mightily through these apostles to authenticate what they were saying was really true because there were a lot of other charlatans out there who were magicians and what have you. And so this was proof that they were speaking with the authority of Jesus Christ 
And we find here, did you not, after all this had happened, Jesus' name was magnified because they knew who the real Jesus uh, was. And so the question is, does God heal today? Absolutely he does. I know he does because I've experienced that with uh, the healing of my daughter Sarah's eye. Examined by uh, my dad, who said she was didn't see very well for sure. Sent her to an ophthalmologist, and uh, he examined her and said she was technically blind in one eye and didn't see very well out of the other. Janine came home from that visit to, and was just weeping. Uh, uh, could not read depth perception. In other words, her eye was, was, uh, was going blind. And she had been received a lick over it uh, several days before that. And so, uh, what did we do? In a Presbyterian church, Josiah said, you know what? Uh, I want to start praying for people's healing. Just like in James, you're familiar in James, call the elders, lay hands, and uh, the prayer of faith, they will be healed. Well, anyway, I didn't have much faith, but I knew one thing. I was facing a whole lot of money to pay out to having this eye fixed. And so, anyway, uh, the ophthalmologist said, I'm going to send her to a neuro-ophthalmologist on Monday. And I said, oh, that's great. Whew, you know, this is back when we didn't have two pennies to rub together. <laughs> and so we, uh, uh, I went to church. I said, Josiah, we got to pray for Sarah. And we did. And I remember we prayed. And about all the elders and anybody in the church gathered together. It's about 15 of us, it seems like. Chuck Phillips was there. We laid hands. And after five minutes of praying, Josiah said, well, open your eyes, Sarah. And, she, and, she, and he says, can you see better? She says, I can see a little better. And, of course, I'm sitting there going, right, okay, what's going on here? And Josiah said, well, let's pray some more. And he, boy, you, now you're talking about some prayer-changing <laughs> prayers. The, the, uh, anyway, it got intense. And then he said, Sarah, open your eyes again. And, and she did. He says, how can you see? I can see real good. She was six years old. Anyway, to make a long story longer, took her back to the ophthalmologist, neuro-ophthalmologist on Monday. It was an hour's examination with all that they did. The doctor came out and said, uh, Ms. Phillips, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a great ophthalmologist. But this child doesn't even need glasses. So does God heal today? Yes, he does. But uh, we see he is, he's still in the healing business. And we need to pray for that. We need to pray for it more. But you know what? What is God doing even today? <clears throat> with great authority. He's saving souls. Remember 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. New creation. The Holy Spirit has entered 
He's been given a new heart, a new life. The Spirit of God dwells within him. He's a new creation. Remember the first creation was out of nothing. God takes nothing, turns it into something. He gets all the glory. And so, wow. Uh, So anyway, we see God doing uh, a marvelous thing uh, through the apostle. And we need to uh, see that uh, he is healing today. So be careful, though, of sending money to get a prayer cloth so that you can be healed on contact with it. That's all I'm saying about that. Uh, but anyway, so Jesus demonstrating his power shows his authority by what's going on here. He's demonstrating his love and compassion and, uh, and we see these sweatbands and tool belts showed Paul was not the one doing it. It was Jesus who is doing this through Paul and not even with Paul being there. Let me say this. Woe to those who today take money from people who are phonies. My brother-in-law went out to a big conference with this other family who had a child who was in need of healing. When they got there, and if I told you the organization, you'd recognize it. I'm not going to do that because that's not what's important here. But he says he walked into this big auditorium sanctuary and they had tables. And he said, at the first table, I couldn't believe it when he told me, the first table had a $500 healing. And he said, over here, the next table was a $1,000 healing. And for $5,000, you could have a gigantic healing. That's exactly what we see going on right here. I tell you, these people, they think they're being, uh, uh, I don't even have the word for it, but they're, they're, uh, they're sick. And they will stand before God and give an account uh, of, what's, what, uh, of what they're doing. So woe to these people who are making money. And we see that's what's going on here. I even saw one on TV. It was on, you know, taking care of your finances and being a good steward. And it was real good. At the end of it, it said, send $75 and we'll send you a book on how to do this. And I said, it's real easy. Don't send the $75 and that's where you begin. Put it in the bank. I mean, this is not a hard thing. And yet there they are taking people's money, $75 to send you some discs that are about 10 cents a piece to produce, I think. These people will answer for that if they're doing it for, for the gain of money. Okay, I don't know their heart. God knows their heart, but... Be very careful. We also see in verses 13 through 16, counterfeit power, phony baloney, the fake, 
the fabricated power. These sons of Sceva were Jewish exorcists uh, of a high priest. In other words, they'd say, give us your money and we'll get rid of your demons. And so the word Jesus was being used and they said, you know what? Let's just kind of add that to our repertoire here. We're just in Jesus, Jesus, you know. You see that a lot today, which can be done in vain. And you better be careful how you use the name Jesus because it's serious business how you use his name. Uh, don't use it in vain, but it was, it's not a magic word that uh, uh, will work for you. He, God is not a genie that you can just rub a bottle and he pops out and does your bidding. This is, uh, this is what was going on. And so uh, just say the magic word and you got your miracle. Uh, and so that's, that's very dangerous. What happened to these men that did that? Did you notice that in verse 15? What did the demon do? Who do you think you are? And you know what he did? They stripped them. He stripped them of their clothes. Now this is seven to one, right? That's pretty good odd. <laughs> and that's the power of Satan is demonstrated here. And he beat them up and... and uh, and, and, you know, and they fled. And then the result was the name of Jesus was magnified. Wow. You see, Jesus would not be a part of uh, what wasn't really true. He would not be in league with these con artists. And so uh, we find that if you're going to be dealing with those who are demon-possessed, you better be careful. You better know what you're doing. I was faced one time, and I've used this illustration with a demon one time on the street in South Carolina witnessing, and uh, I went, uh, uh, we were passing out tracks, and I usually hold up a track and had a cross on it, and uh, the Romans rode to heaven or something, and and uh, people would take them, generally speaking. But this man coming down the street, and I, I held it up, and I think I said something like, Sir, I want you to know the blood of Christ will cleanse you from all your sin, or, you know, and held a track up. And with a voice that was not natural, and to this day I shudder when I even think about that happening, when he screamed with a voice that was not his own and I and just I just wanted to melt right there on this and turned around and ran as fast as he could run screaming going down the street that was a demon possessed man I have no doubt about it uh, and uh, but uh, so be careful be careful if you're going to be witnessing and, uh, and when you come in contact. Even John MacArthur, it's really interesting, said he came into a room one time where a woman had turned over this great big heavy desk and she was sitting there and pounding on the desk and speaking and, and he knew the woman speaking in a voice that wasn't her own. And then she looked at him and said, get out of here, get out of here. And then he thought, you know, that's probably a good thing 
because she realized that she, he had Christ. Get out of here. In other words, I don't want to have to deal with you. But, uh, so be careful when, when uh, you're dealing with those who are demon-possessed. And I saw it quite a bit in Africa when I was there. I, I met these people whose arms were all sliced up and it burned themselves and what have you, who used to be demon-possessed. And the pastor over there said they would literally attack someone and bite them and, and pull their... I guess he said, you cannot believe until you get around one of these demon-possessed people how strong they are and overpowering they are. So, anyway, uh, we see, though, the sovereign power in verses 17 through 19, the, sovereign, the inward work of Christ in the hearts of people. It says, fear came upon everybody. They saw the true power of God is what they saw. And the word of the Lord was magnified. And it, this fear, this fear of who God is drove them to Christ. And to get rid of the phony, this dark magic, and uh, they began doing what? Repenting. By doing what? Burning this stuff up. You notice they didn't have a yard sale? So, you know, we got all this money invested here. I'm going to get some of it back. They burned it. I had a friend, uh, well, that's, uh, I'll skip that. But, but anyway, you don't make money off of evil. Okay. You get rid of it. You burn it up. And that's true repentance. Uh, being sorry uh, uh, is good. But it's not just being sorry. It's repenting of your sin. Five, did you notice 50,000 pieces of silver? And by the way, I bet you the businesses were hurt. Because all the money wasn't coming their way anymore. 50,000 pieces of silver. You know what the value of that today would be? A half a billion dollars. Do you think there was a revival taking place? Think God was doing a mighty work? I think so. And then we see last of all the prevailing power. The word grew in, in verse 20. The word grew in power. We see the tender compassion of, of Christ here. He came to the most wicked of wicked, did he not? And had mercy on them. Had compassion on them. These people that did, did not deserve in any way. Uh, we see his compassion in so many ways in Scripture. He weeps with those that weep. You have trouble memorizing scripture? Try that one. I think everybody can do okay, don't you? Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. See, now you can say, I know a scripture verse. I, I memorized a verse today. But Jesus wept. But you know what? There's more in that. We see his tender compassion, do we not? His love. Also, John 20, the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary, this is Mary Magdala, 
By the way, all the men left. The woman stayed. We get, and I preached on this. I won't re-preach it, but she stood out the, outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and I'm sure it was the way he said it, tenderness, compassion. She realized who she was talking to. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. Uh, wow. You know what? That's compassion. Who was Mary Magdalene? Not a great apostle, not the chief priest, not the high priest, not somebody of real importance. A woman who a demon had been cast in. He, she is the very first one that he comes to. That's compassion, sisters and brothers. That's very much compassion. And so... We see the protection of Jesus, and it's in an odd way. Did you see how the protection of Jesus? And who was it over? The seven sons of Sceva. Why? The demon did not kill them. Do they deserve killing? Yes, they did. Could he have? Yes, yes, he could have. He could have killed them. I wonder if any of these sons of Sceva came to know Christ. I bet you they did. I bet you they did. Just remember, Satan would kill you if he could. Satan would have killed these men because they were his. He would have killed them if he could have. God wouldn't let him. He has boundaries, and we, we, we've studied that before. I experienced one time, and I'll be done with this, I promise you, how God protects us when we don't know. In one day, brethren, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see all the ways he's protected us. I guarantee you, and that's going to just make us go, whoa, wow, he did that? I never knew that. Well, that happened to me when I was driving my... Uh, Grandmother to Ohio, I was 16 years old, just got my license. And, uh, you know, Dad was this Marine, he said, you can do anything. So drive your grandmother to Ohio. And this was back before the interstates were completed, so you had to get off and I'd get lost and get back on. And uh, It was probably the worst nightmare of my entire life. But by God's grace, we made it up there. But coming home, uh, something significantly happened. This was in 1965. My dad had put seat belts in the car in this old travel all he had. I never touched them all the way up there. 
Never put them on, never thought about it. In Franklin, Tennessee, coming home, we ate at this restaurant, and I got in the, tr in the van, hooked the seatbelt. Why? I don't know, I hadn't worn it, never thought about it, just hooked it. A few miles down the road, I don't know whether I went to sleep, but the car went off the road and we flipped over. My window was rolled down all the way, and as we flipped, I landed on my shoulder on the concrete on the highway. But I was hanging out of the window when it flipped. And just before it hit, I was able to grab that seat belt that I had hooked, and I pulled myself back into that car and kept from getting crushed under that. Never worn it all the way up there. Hooked it that one time. Who did that? The Lord was protecting me. Don't think the Lord isn't protecting you. He is watching over you. And I want you to just remember that. If he had mercy on these seven sons of Sceva by not letting this demon kill them, do you think he's going to protect you? Yes, he is. Until he's done with you and then he's going to bring you home. So this COVID whatever that's going on, you may get it, you may die from it. But you know what? You, you know that he's protecting you. You know that you, you're trusting him. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he will, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always, not most of the time, always, always lives to intercede for them. Wow. That kind of says it all, doesn't it? He's living for you. He's praying for you. He's interceding. He is protecting you, watching over you. Even right now. Let's give him praise. Father, this morning, as we have looked into your word, we can see your compassion, O oh Lord. In this wicked, 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 wicked city, you had compassion. How you use Paul, Lord, you can use us. Fill us with your spirit, with the love of Jesus that Paul had, that we would proclaim the good news that Jesus saves. He will save all of those that come to him in faith. And I pray, God, work in us to be better witnesses for you and to show men and women and children their need of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.